would I know that a child or youth in my church was suffering from mental ill health? How can I best care for them? And how do I know when to refer up to more professional support? Welcome back to the Effective Ministry Podcast, the podcast helping you have an effective youth and children's ministry in your local church. My name is Tim Bealharts, a children's ministry advisor at YouthWorks in Sydney. And what we are about to listen to together is part two of my colleague Al James's conversation with police chaplain, the Reverend Suz Gorham, and Josie Sito, assistant youth minister at MBM Church, Rudy Hill where they answer these questions and so much more. If you haven't caught the last episode, then I encourage you to go back and listen to part one of this conversation. For the rest of you, you'll recall that we recorded this lost episode not long after the statewide lockdowns in Sydney during the COVID pandemic of 2020. You'll notice that they talk about where churches are at in slowly emerging from this lockdown and re-engaging with face-to-face ministry in our churches. Now, thankfully, we are not in that lockdown and social isolation space anymore. But we know that many of our young people continue to suffer some psychological impacts from that time, as well as the increased generalised anxiety of young people in our contemporary moment. So the advice here continues to be immensely relevant to ministry today. And speaking of today... It is Wednesday, the 31st of May, 2023, when this episode drops, and that means it's the last day to register for YouthWorks House Conference at the early bird rate. If you've missed out on early bird, that's okay. General registration continues up until the week before house, which is on Wednesday, the 29th of August to Thursday, the 31st of August. We will be having much more details and also some house-specific episodes coming up close to that date, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, here is part two of the conversation with Al James, Suz Gorham and Josie Sito. So, you know, a 15-year-old boy or girl or whatever age lobs up to youth group, uh, what are going to be some of the red flags that you'll be aware of that you might notice in their behavior, in the way that they carry themselves that might indicate that something needs to maybe be further explored in terms of their mental health? They'd normally be super involved in a game. They just, maybe they've got their earphones on during the talk and normally they're taking notes. It's, yeah, just some of those really small things that are changes in how they normally act. Little pointers, little indicators that maybe not everything's okay. If things like, if they're a bit more tired than usual um, or they're a bit fidgety or not wanting to make eye contact with you um, or, or even the opposite. They're very, very clingy and, and um, wanting to be really, really close to you because you might be the, the safe person or the well person or the person that's bringing them joy at the moment. Mm. All those little indicators I think we, we need to watch out for. We've ident- identified there's going to be issues, there's going to be um, things that we're going to be on the lookout for um, in terms of their behaviour, red flags that, that might indicate that we need to explore a little bit further. When these things present, how do we deal with them in a way that is both going to help a young person to deal with the mental health side of things, but also does that in the context of wanting them to be, uh, to be moving forward in their, in their faith in Christ as well that points them to Christ? 
Yeah, I think the very first thing is to know that as, as a youth leader or a youth minister or a youth pastor, you're not a psychologist, um, probably not a trained counsellor, um, and there is boundaries there and there is so how do you there. how do you navigate that that kind of difficult situation where you know that a young person needs to talk, you know that it's your responsibility to, to kind of care for them, but you also know your boundaries. How do you navigate that? Well, I guess keeping in mind safe ministry training and the, the boundaries that we, we have there and, and uh, for ordained ministers, their faithfulness in service as well, um, that can set some pretty clear guidelines. Um, but it, it's being able to listen. Sometimes all people need is to have someone to listen to them um, and acknowledge that they feel the way that they do at this particular point in time. Um, and then we also need to, you know, it's a good idea to have a, a bank of names of counsellors um, and psychologists in the local area that that a youth minister might refer a family to um, or a parent to if, if they have concerns for the student themselves. But, but, yeah, so boundaries and being willing to listen. But know that you're not responsible for their mental health, but that you can walk with them through Yeah. So what what does that look like? What does it look like to not be responsible for their mental health? Because I know this is an an area that that a lot of a lot of youth leaders, youth workers struggle with. They feel this sense of responsibility for the mental health and the and the overall well-being of their young people. Um, But what does it look like to kind of not be responsible and yet be interested and kind of helpful in that space? Yeah. Um, As a youth leader, I need to constantly tell myself that I'm not responsible. Like I just need to be very clear with myself on what a boundary is, um, that my role is to love this person, to care for them and to listen and to refer them to someone who is actually qualified to help. Um, we're very fortunate at MBM. We have a counsellor on staff, uh, which means that if something feels big, it probably is. And so I can go and chat to this counsellor and ask for advice. How do I pastorally care for this person? How do I make sure that this youth is getting professional help, whether it's like through a school counsellor or by seeing the counsellor at church? Um, yeah, constantly trying to refer, but also listen. How do you know when to refer? What might be some of the issues that in this space that it's, it's really worth referring on? Is it as simple as you know, this issue equals refer this other issue, or is it more complicated than that? I think it's more complicated than that, um, especially because uh, they're not adults themselves. And so there, there is uh, the element of including family uh, and, and parents or guardians um, in the process of care. Um, and it will be, I think, more about alerting others to the, I don't know, to the parents or the youth minister, whoever the supervisor is in, in the ministry of concerns, so then it can be um, managed according to, to policy and guidelines within the church. Um, and, and just being open in talking about it with the young person and, um, and, and following up, checking in on how they're going. There's an issue that lasts more than a couple of weeks, or they're f- feeling down for more than a couple of weeks, that absolutely must be referred um, on professionally so if if you're seeing um behavior change that lasts more than one or two weeks that's the time where you want to bring in some help absolutely yeah that's that's beyond it's beyond our our skills and our qualifications so and but it's definitely something that if we if we can um intervene early then the chances of it 
growing and becoming a chronic problem for the young person is minimised. What might be an example of some kind of behaviour change that you see that's lasting more than a couple of weeks that you kind of go, okay, we need to bring someone else in on on this? That's quite a difficult question um, in this day and age because ordinarily you would just say you'd see them withdrawing. But because we're all kind of forcibly withdrawn um, and uh, and even some youth groups I know are still just online, they haven't met back to face-to-face, that's really hard to gauge. Um, so I'm not sure that I've got a good answer to that question, but, but withdrawal is, is a, a key thing. And even stepping down from things, so, so not turning up to teach Sunday school or, um, or the after-school club, it's, it's that, that disengagement obvious disengagement and stepping back it's pretty clear we are back at church so it's a lot easier for us that we can see a girl sitting in a discussion group but not answering a question where she's normally like way more engaged than that um when we were online it might have been not replying to texts or um not turning up to our like online bible studies um but it is it's so hard online and it often requires a family who's very uh supportive of their child's spiritual health, um, that they're keen to be in contact with leaders and letting them know what's going on. Because, uh, yeah, online we have not much, we don't have much input and we can't see much of what's going on for them. Mm, and that's interesting. I mean, the same research that we, we've done at YouthWorks also showed that the, the biggest correlation between good spiritual outcomes for young people was actually a willingness for um, the youth ministry to engage with parents. Yeah. Um, and the confidence that they had to kind of talk with parents about uh, about the ministry and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that idea of partnership is so, so important. So we've talked about the idea of referring and that really, really helpful idea of thinking about behavior change. And if, it's, if there's a, a sustained behavior change, uh, whether that's withdrawal or whether it's kind of, you know, a, a much greater excitement or whatever it is that the sort of significant behavior change... Um, and, and so referring with regards to mental health issues and that kind of thing, how do we help them to walk with Christ through this as well? In one sense, it's going back to the basics of what the Christian faith is and the understanding that in, the, in a chaotic world, we have a sovereign God who is in control and who, who knows all and sees all. When people grapple with that, it actually gives a sense of peace uh, because you can kind of surrender the chaos to the God who creates order out of chaos. Uh, so that's a good concept, I think. Um, it's also a great time to ask those those deep theological questions with them and wrestle with the, well, if if God is good, why is there suffering in the world? Those type of questions. And, you mean raise the question of suffering? Yeah. Amazing. And, um, and, and get them to wrestle with it and work out what they think about it and what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about who God is uh, in times of trouble um, or uncertainty? Um, so it's, it's, it's those, those kind of basic building blocks that I think are important to come back to um, and, and not just have the message delivered about those but actually have, have the kids and young people really nut out. So it's, it's more than just getting up and doing a 15-minute talk on on these issues it's definitely about like that person contact it's about chatting one-on-one and hearing where they're at and helping speak god's truth into them i think one question i kept trying to ask 
like weekly um, over these last few months is what is the truth of God that is going to bring you comfort this week? Is it that God is unchanging or is it that God is good? Um, Yeah, something that they can go away with and hold on to and just repeat that will, yeah, will point them back to God in a time when everything is really challenging. Do you think it's important for children and young people to lay a strong foundation of faith? Well, we do too. Hi, I'm Andy Stevenson and I'm the head of the Ministry Support Team and SRE office here at YouthWorks. SRE provides an opportunity for children from Christian families, from the occasional churchgoers, to those kids who've never even heard the name of Jesus before or read the Bible, to come to school, to be in SRE classes, to explore the Christian faith, to discuss big ideas, to hopefully build a firm foundation of faith. You can partner with us in this mission. You can play your part. Your tax-deductible gift today will help this ministry to continue now and into the future. So thank you. Thank you for your support. And what I'm hearing from you, Josie, is that it isn't actually a silver bullet, really. It's a kind of, you know, you know it's a long-term process of engaging with God's promises and allowing them to kind of really infuse themselves into your soul. And I think um, there's actually been some gold that's come out of COVID for youth ministry. Mm-hmm. I think we've all been forced to think about how we can do ministry in a COVID-friendly way. And so I, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask a question. Ask but away. Josie, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm wondering, um, are there things that you guys have done here because of COVID that you think you'll continue once the COVID decreases or is sorted out? Yeah, our biggest change uh, was regular contact with parents. Uh, we're encouraging leaders to call parents. We're encour- like we're sending much more regular emails. We've started up a Facebook parents group. Um, we just want to be in contact with parents. Like we've never been more aware of how important their role is in discipling their youth and in seeing their youth follow Jesus for a lifetime. That if that's what their parents are modeling at home, that is so much more important than our once a week contact. Um, But yeah, as important as that is in keeping up our discipleship, it's also about partnering with our parents. Yeah, I I think for the the youth group at our church um, have really utilised technology pretty well this year and so I'm sure there's mm. there's elements of that that they'll be able to continue even though things are back face to face people have learnt a lot of new skills <laughs> I, I, love, I love what you're saying there Josie about that idea of partnering with partnering with parents because it, it would be very easy wouldn't it in a in a COVID world for that fragmentation and the further siloing of family and and ministry and youth and leaders to happen and yet um, especially with regard to mental health, but with all things to do with discipleship of young people, bringing families into the conversation is so, so important. And the research backs that up as well. I think it's also important to, in terms of keeping them pointing towards Christ, is, is to um, remind them of biblical truths. So, so I remember in a sermon I heard a few years ago, um, I think it was from um, Matt Stedman, putting putting away the the nuts for the winter. So not every young person is going to be struggling with mental health. 
some might have actually really thrived in this um, environment and they're totally fine. Um, And for those people, this is when we train them, we teach them to put away the nuts for the winter. So giving them memory verse challenges while they're, you know, they've got the capacity and the the spongy brain to suck up God's word Um, and, and particularly Bible passages that are good for for difficult times, which they will inevitably face at some point. So things like, um, you know, Romans 8, uh, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like that's a, that's a, COVID verse, if ever there was one, you know, that in all our isolation, our separation, um, family breakdown, all of that stuff, we can cling to the goodness of God and the love of Christ to sustain us um, in all things. So um, it's, it's a, verses like that, which we can, we can give them to, to learn and store away. I love the idea of, you know, there are, there are some kids that are going to be thriving in this environment for whatever reason, multifaceted kind of factors that lead to them thriving in this season. I'd love to get your thoughts on the idea of kind of empowering them to also be involved in the ministry to other young people who might be struggling in various ways as well. What, What are your thoughts on that? As we've come out of COVID in trying to be creative in getting us more contact time with youth, one of the things we've done is start up uh, what we call Young Guns Training. So it's setting aside time to intentionally train youth in skills to use to love each other. So if that's a welcoming skill at being able to chat to someone they don't know and welcome them um, or preaching. We've got youth preaching tonight at youth group. Um because they've been trained and they've been trained in how to open the word and apply it to young people. Um, And it helps them in their own faith thrive and love God more as well as love his people more. Um, I think it's good to have conversations as we return to more face-to-face ministry, have conversations um, with members of our youth group and, and ministry teams about what went really well during COVID what things they enjoyed in youth because that can translate to continuing those things or um, just tweaking them a bit and keeping on using those good things. So a lot of churches, uh, youth groups that I know of, uh, did Bible reading plans. So all the kids were reading the the same Bible passages, um, little devotional books that youth leaders had kind of put together with their own thoughts and things. So things like that, I think um, if we can find out what the young people enjoyed, and then um, potentially capture that now in, in the face-to-face ministry. Mm. I think it would be a good thing. There is a correlation um, with mental health uh, and spiritual health. Um, that's not to say that people who have mental health issues are um, sp- spiritually off. Uh, we know a lot of, there's a lot of famous um, preachers and Bible teachers throughout history who suffered from depression and anxiety. Moody, Spurgeon, you've got, there's, there's lots of um, uh, men in the Bible who who were very spiritually depressed but were still serving God faithfully, um, like Jeremiah, Elijah. Um, so so we, we can't sort of, there's a correlation in, in the sense that 
we can if if people are spiritually well they they can be be well mentally but um and so if we can encourage our young people to be spiritual well spiritually well then um and, and that means you know all the good work that we do with them um in terms of mentoring caring discipling praying with them reading the bible with them to encourage their continued spiritual growth that's that's a real positive and it's important that we're doing that. They will hear a lot about mental health and mental well-being and uh, mindfulness at school. Um, that's sort of in ground in curriculum now. Um, but they need that that spiritual aspect um, because it's their whole person. You know, it's not just their brain and the chemicals in their body doing things. It's actually their soul and their mind. Mm-hmm. That's our responsibility is, is to, to um, bring that to maturity in Christ with God's help and the work of his spirit. Um, just for my interest, wh- why do you think there is a correlation between spiritual health and um, mental health? Uh, it, it's because it's part of our whole person. Mm. Um, like what I've said there bef- about the um, the brain mm. and and the mind, they're, they're two different things. Mm. Um, and I think in terms of the world of psychology, it's often devoid of the soul. Mm. So it comes down to those chemical processes um, and subjective feelings, um, but it loses. Actually, we're we're made in God's image. We are created creative beings um, who have all the gamuts of emotion, um, which which are gifts um, in, in in our um, verbal and physical expression. Um, and if if we discount that spiritual side, you're only you're only dealing with half of the issue. That's one of the issues I do have with psychology. Um, I love psychology, don't get me wrong, but, but the study of it, uh, uh, until recently, um, with res- more research into uh, trauma and post-traumatic stress, the spirituality side has just been excluded. Mm. But it's part of who we are. Um, even people who don't have a faith, they're still spiritual people. I can think of like a specific example of what that might look like. It's like someone struggling with doubts and exi- anxiety needs to have their anxiety counselled and they need to understand it. I know our senior pastor tells a story of a woman who struggled with really big doubts about her faith, um, was diagnosed with OCD, went on medication, but also had uh, the truths of God spoken to her and explored that. So with the both angled approach, was able to resolve that. Mm, amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, further evidence, right, that, that, that we're, we're whole people. Yeah. And yeah, I also think about the the uh, you know the, the potential potentially like the relevance of when someone is is um, struggling with some of these things like the 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 inward looking kind of contemplative potentially depressed that kind of thing the the, the opportunity to buy into a much bigger narrative can be so. I don't know, relieving yeah. at times as well, um, and that you know. The, you could argue that that bigger narrative could be any big narrative. Um, and I think, you know, psychological research that says, yes, it is good to buy into a bigger narrative, whatever that is. And yet, you know, the, the ultimate overarching narrative is that is that of the story of God and, and the world and salvation in Christ and so on. Um, okay, last question. If there's one key message that you want to uh, talk about with regard to mental health and ministry to young people. I think making sure that as a leader you are spiritually well Mm. and you are in a good place psychologically 
is also important because you can't care for others um, well and you can't sustain care for others if you are not okay. So it's actually coming to the point where if you need help yourself and being self-aware so that you, you know that and then doing something about it because that in turn will help model to young people. The Effective Ministry podcast is a production of YouthWorks in Sydney. We want to see effective youth and children's ministry in every church. And one of the ways that you can help us do that is by letting people know about this podcast in all the usual ways, like comment, share and review on your favorite social media and podcasting platform. If you've got comments, thoughts or questions for this podcast, you can email us at effectiveministrypodcast at youthworks.net and also check out youthworks.net for other ways that YouthWorks can help you have an effective youth and children's ministry in your church.